We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Thank you for your presence today. God set everything in the heavens and the earth in perfect order, including resting in Him and worshiping Him. Our loving God provides six days for us to labor and one day to rest and worship Him. God, who can do whatever He wants to, could have mandated one day of labor and six days of rest and worship, but He selflessly ordained six days of labor and one day of rest and worship for Him. And sometimes we won't even give him that. Listen with Bible, pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us. Well, we just going to take up where we left off last time. We're in part two of the text that we are reading from in the book of Genesis. We're in the book of Genesis, chapter two, verses one through four. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now skip down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And from this passage, we're going to preach once again the subject, the day God rested. The day God rested. What is missing, especially uh, in American culture and society today, is the absence of rest. Many of you, as I preach to you today, you're stressed. Some of you are fragile and on the edge. You're tense. You're fatigued. Some of you are maxed out. Can't go another further. Some of you are burned out. You're at the breaking point because of a real deficiency of rest in your lives. Many will not say it, but their actions indicate that they think They are invisible and assume that they can carry on with no consequences. But there are real consequences that will take its toll on you if you don't learn soon how to rest yourselves. Many of you get up in the morning, sleep to the last minute because of staying up late the night before for several reasons. Some of you stay up late the night before because your your parents and you... If you're going to school yourself and then you have to get your kids homework done, help them with it. There's not one assignment. There's another assignment, not to mention uh, the working of two jobs for some of you to make ends meet. Others, you working on projects that you bring home uh, to work on from your job 
Then there's the extracurricular activity, the volleyball, basketball, football, all the balls, and, and transporting kids from here to there, the little league and everywhere. Then there's the cleaning, the cooking, the washing, the shopping. And then you tuck her and tire yourself out because you watch too much television and you're communicating too much on social media. Others of you, you're restless and you're filled with anxiety. You're worrying about tomorrow, the night before, and you can't sleep. And those of you, you try to go to sleep, but your mind is so busy once you even lay down and lay your head on that pillow until you cannot sleep. The God we serve and know created the world in six days, and the word, the word of God says on the seventh day, say seventh day, God rested. Can you imagine the God who knows everything, who is everywhere present at the same time, who is all powerful? I mean, there is none like him. He's so high you can't get above him. He's so wide you can't get around him. Got so much depth you can't get under him. He's God all by himself. God of mercy. God of infinite love and mercy and all these things. And yet that kind of God rested. And so since he has rested, then he expect we who are his children to rest as well. Look at verse one. Look at verse one. Come on. Hang with me. Verse one. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. In this particular verse, God makes a concluding summary statement declaring that his work was finished in six literal 24 hour days. The Lord God Almighty created the heavens and the earth and filled it with everything it needed. And the earth, the world, the universe lacked absolutely nothing when God had created it. It was the the world that he made, the universe as we see it and know it, was created so stunningly. It was created as a masterpiece from the finger of God himself. The world, as we can see and, and as we know it, is full of splendor. He created it full of beauty. God created this world before the fall in absolute perfection and without need of repair or revision. Now, everything man makes need repair. Everything man made need revision. There are Technical difficulties that arise on a plane. That's why they have all those FAA regulation. And even then, planes come down and you have to have emergency landings because made by man. Huh? Amen. Uh, your house, I don't care how good it is. I don't care how much you pay for it. Sooner or later, there'll be cracks and crevices. Some There'll be roof leaks. There'll be uh, termites. There'll be all kinds of little things and shiftings and this and that. Brand new house. The paint start wearing off. The stuff. Matter of fact, when the warranty go off, that's when it start breaking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The washing machine break, the stove break, the air condition break, and under the 10 degree heat. Why? Man made, but everything God made is just the way God made it. Way back there when he said, let there be. When he said, let there be a sun. The sun nobody has to go up and repair the sun. Nobody mess with a star. Nobody mess with the moon. You just leave it alone. It's doing exactly what God intended it to do from the day that it was created in stunning glory and beauty. Look at verse two, if you will. And on the seventh day, God finishes work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
My friends, in this verse, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation that he had done. And the word of God says in verse two, he rested. Say he rested. God here is providing a pattern or model for man's work cycle. God rested on the seventh day, not because he was weary. God rested not because he was tired. God rested not because he was burdened or exhausted, but he rested because his creative work was completed. I'll not read these scriptures. This is just a tidbit of review so that those of you who, are last, who weren't here last week can catch up. And for those of you who are here can just rehear it again for your own personal edification. Uh, Isaiah 48 a talks about that God neither faints nor become weary. And then I, I spoke on and read Psalms 121 and 4 last week. God neither slumbers nor sleep because he needs absolutely no rest. That's why some, some folk mess around at night because they think God go to sleep. God doesn't take naps. He doesn't go to sleep. And he's watching your foolishness even at night. Huh? The Hebrew word for rest is Sabbath. Say Sabbath which means God abstained or ceased from his creative work because his work was complete. In other words, that when God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, he rested because everything was completely complete and nothing was left undone. This day was set apart as a day of special consecration. The Sabbath day is provided as a day of rest from a weeks of labor and for worship and fellowship between God and man. God repeated the same truth again when he set forth the Sabbath requirements as found in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. I'll not read that. We read it last time. You can get a DVD and hear more about that. And also we read last week uh, Exodus chapter 31, verses 17, dealing with creation and rest. Look at verse three, if you will. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. In other words, my friends, after God finished his creative work, he not only rested on the Sabbath day, but he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He rested and he blessed the Sabbath day. The Sabbath a rest day was ordained by God and declared a holy day for refreshment from cessation of, from work and to worship God. And scriptures we gave in reference to that last week was Revelation 1.10 of the Gospel of John chapter 20 verse 19, Acts, 20, Acts chapter 20 verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. We read all of those, but not this time so that we can move on a little bit further. Look at verse 4, if you will. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God had made the earth and the heavens. In other words, my friends, God creating the heavens and earth and the specifics of what he did on each day is an actual, is an actual historical account in creation that happened many years ago. It stands by itself and needs no props or add-ons. Any other alternative or proposition or theory is a blatant lie and is deception from the enemy. The creation account, when God uh, said, let there be it, and the word of God, things begin to happen and, and things begin to come into place at his word without any effort on his part. That's an actual creative account, an actual historical account. It's an actual happening penned by Moses under the auspices of God between some six to 10,000 years ago. 
God blessed the day that he rested and said in his word, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This day is specifically set aside to worship and adore our Heavenly Father. As God's own, we must follow the path he has created for us. God deserves all honor, glory, and praise every day. Yet even as his children, we find ourselves giving less time to the things of God and more time to the things of this world that have no spiritual significance. Listen as Pastor Rander continues. Look at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Now, man was created first and, and placed in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. In this particular verse, we see the first introduction to work. Say work. That's, this, is a, this is where work first began right here. Adam was a steward of God's creation. In other words, he was a caretaker of God's creation. God is the owner. He was the steward, the manager of God's possession. In other words, God entrusted him with the responsibility of taking care of God's very own creation. Work came not as a result of sin because sin hasn't ha- had not happened to this point. Because at this point, there was no sin, no rebellion. Work here was created by God because he expected man to be productive. God expected Adam to be productive, and therefore God gave him work assignments, even in the Garden of Eden that was absolutely perfect. God wanted him to tend that garden and cultivate it. Uh, Adam experienced joy in his work, fulfillment in his work that came as a result of obeying God and carrying out his God-given responsibilities as assigned by God himself. God did not want Adam to be idle. He did not want him to be unproductive. Be mindful that before the fall, when Adam was working the garden, there was no hard, agonizing labor, no sweat from his brow. In that garden was no weeds to be pulled up, not cooperating with Adam. In the garden was no unproductive soil. The soil was productive and fruitful. In the garden, as Adam worked, there was no hot, blazing sun. You know, sometimes you get work, when you work, you get cuts, you get scrapes, and you get bruises. But in the garden, the work was sheer delight, without cuts, without scrapes, and without bruises. Wow! What a wonderful way to work in the garden before the fall. And even though God ordained work for Adam and it was indeed a good thing for the productivity of man, it can be abused by taking it to the extreme, to the detriment of man when we become workaholics. Say workaholics. Now, work is productive, but when you become workaholic, a workaholic, then it becomes unproductive. Now, you know what? Uh, I'm already shadow full of holes because I know I'm pretty much a workaholic and I'm still working. That's one of my weaknesses. I, my wife, too. I got to confess, when I was working on this message, I said, oh, God, you're getting me good. People always telling me you're going to burn your motor out. You need to rest. And I, I work and I work. And so I'm already shot up full of holes and God has already gotten me, you know, because I work too much. You know, when you, you can love your work and what you I love what I do. I'm called to what I do. 
You, uh, you know, there was time my wife and I did this and this church couldn't in the infancy days of this church when we let little one room YMCA building when we start just a little handful of people. The church, the church couldn't give us nothing. And we did it because we love God. And so for people see what we are, you should see that little raggedy jalopy I drove around and the kids and the little garden we had to put in the back because we had to make ends meet. They see where you are, but they, they, but they don't know where I came. I have a testimony. It hasn't always been this way. You know, I worked, I worked up in a library at Texas Southern University helping students with research. I work at Lewis and Coco grocery store, sacking groceries and taking groceries out, loving to get those tips. I work. I even lied to put my age up. I was 15, said I was 16 because I wanted to work. I remember I, cut, I did cut Mr. Mr. Jones's grass and I cut three yards for $1 and was just as happy as the Lord. That man abused me, but I just like to work. <laughs> I, like, I, didn't, I look back now and reflect, he's going to be with the Lord. I can't knock on his door and say, you owe me some money. <laughs> I, I, I love to work. And then, you know, people see where you are, but they don't know where you've been. I remember I was at St. Joseph Hospital, downtown Houston. I was a red cap uh, janitor, and I was responsible for, for cleaning and mopping all the stairwells in St. Joseph Hospital in downtown Houston. I pushed my little buggy, took it there, got that mop and buck, and all the way up. And down. I didn't need to go to a spa. My work was my spa. And I did it. And I did it because my mama had, I'm the oldest of six. They couldn't afford it. I had to catch two buses to get to school. And it was hard. I didn't have the things kids had have now. We didn't have, I mean, you didn't either. And, uh, but I did, and I did what I had to do. To, to, and I wanted to get a degree being the firstborn because I wanted to set the example for my other brothers and sisters. You know, so that's just a tidbit of a history that, I, that you needed to hear. I haven't always been this. I took menial jobs because I love God and I love work. And we worked in this church. And we had no custodian. We had what you call the helping hands ministry that would come in on Saturday and clean the glass and mop the floors and clean the restroom. Didn't give them one dime because the church was just living for Sunday to Sunday. We didn't have credit history. We didn't have we didn't have money. We didn't have we almost didn't have a a, a pot to use. You know, that's another way y'all say that, but I'm not saying y'all know. <laughs> But, but thank God for a healthy work ethic. But now that I work, I have to cut back. But sometimes I work myself to death because I love what I do. My wife loves what she does. And we have to be so ever careful. But I'm just not preaching to me. I'm preaching to you too because I'm talking to somebody in here. The truth be told, there's not enough rest in your life. Why don't you say amen? Now, why do people become workaholics? Why do they become workaholics? Number one, because they love money. First Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. They didn't say money was evil, but the love of it. You just got to make more and more and more, which some have strayed from the faith and in their greediness because of greed and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Number two, I said last week, uh, why do people become alcoholics? Uh, I keep saying alcoholics. You know, I did that last week. There must be somebody in here struggling, struggling with alcohol. That's why you work in the drink mode. And that alcohol is expensive. You say, how you know? I know. I know it's expensive. And so, but, but uh, you can work some, and some people just, they do become alcoholics 
and that's a whole other issue and sermon by itself. But I'm dealing with workaholics today. The people become workaholics because of a lack of contentment. First Timothy chapter six, verse six and eight says, now godliness with contentment is great gain and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. In other words, if you can eat and you're not naked, God says, be content. Okay. You say, well, do I need a job? Do I need uh, some transportation? Okay. Let's just, let's just add transportation at a house. Okay. You got a place to stay. You got something to ride to work. You got food. You got clothes. When you're going to be satisfied. Everything else is extra. Everything, that extra television, you don't have to have that. That's right. The extra cell phone and all the latest gadgets and all that stuff. And some of you get the iPad 1, 2, 3, 4, and they get this, and they change up here, and you get that, get that. You get in heat, technologically wise, until you can get the next thing with the bells and whistles. And God says, be yourself still and be yourself satisfied. Huh? Number three, uh, why do people become workaholics? Because of an inability to to delegate. They feel they have to do it themselves in order to get it done right. And we we spoke uh, extensively on Exodus chapter 18, verses 17 through 18 and verse 21, where Jethro encourages Moses uh, to to get him some help and to delegate because the people are too many and he's going to wear himself out. If you don't learn to delegate, you're going to kill yourself. It wasn't made, life wasn't made, your job wasn't made for you to do it all. No, no. Number four, why do people become workaholics? Because they love to indulge in the pleasures of this world. First John 2, 15 and 16, do not love the world or the things in it. When you lo- Listen, when you love the stuff of this world, you'll find yourself working more and more and more to get more stuff that don't bring fulfillment anyhow. Number five, people become workaholics because the workplace enhances their self-esteem and make them feel important because of power, position, and prestige. And we talked about Colossians chapter 3, 22 and 23 and 24, dealing whatever you do, you ought to do as unto the Lord. Uh, and, and he gives you a reward. You ought to be able to worship in your work as unto the Lord. But some people can't leave the job because they love being in charge. They love having the power, being the supervisor, being uh, being whatever the lead person. They love their position. They love the prestige. They love folk answering to them. And they can't let it go because it just strokes their self-esteem. But let me tell you something. You don't get your self-esteem from that or your beauty or your clothes or your job. Because if you get your self-esteem from your job, what's going to happen when they lay you off? Or they make some decisions and they look around and let you go. Those companies don't lose sleep when they let you go. They just let you go and say, and then you go to work and all of a sudden you can't get on your computer. And they didn't change everything. They escort you off the premises. That's right. And won't even lose any sleep. And won't even say thank you. Uh, why do people become workaholics? Uh, because the workplace has become a safe haven to escape home. That a home that is filled with hurt, abuse, pain, tension, and strife. In other words, you stay at work because you don't want to go home and deal with those issues at your house. Husband acting crazy, or the wife is acting crazy, children all wild, and you have more, your sanity is, is preserved at your work. Instead of going home and having God work through you to have a better work, home environment, you stay at work and you escape and you stay there and you won't go home and deal with the issues of that house. Won't you say amen? Then, okay. Now, 
Uh, then we said last time, why do able-bodied people refuse to work? I'm not talking about those who have physical challenges, mental challenges. I'm talking about folk who are healthy as an ox that don't want to work. I'm addressing those people. Number one, because of laziness. God worked, then he rested. However, there are many today who are resting but refuse to work. They have lapsed actually into a perpetual state of rest. When you live to rest, that's called laziness. Proverbs 13, 4a says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. He desired to be an architect, a lawyer, a judge, and all this stuff. But it's just a desire, a desire simply because there's no applied effort to reach that goal. Proverbs 19, 24 says, a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Too lazy to take the bowl to his mouth to eat. When you, you know you're lazy when it's like this. Proverbs 22, 13 says, the lazy man says, there's a lion outside and I shall be slain in the street. He see everything to keep him working. That's a lion. It's, it's snowing outside. The weatherman says it's going to be 110 degrees. My, it's, it's too hot in the car. The air conditioning's out. I can't go to work. Uh, my child has got a little temperature. It's just one degree over. Can't go to work. Uh, and some of y'all lie. You know, you lie. I'm not home. I'm, I, I'm sick. And you just doing something else. And you line, line, line. We're just getting quiet here. Say amen. Amen. Have you lied? To keep from going to work. There's a line outside. They see tornadoes. They see giants. They see everything to keep from working. And then we said, uh, why, why do able-bodied people refuse to work? Because of government dependency and a sense of entitlement. A sense of entitlement. People live in a state of expectation that it is the government's responsibility to take care of them. You know, I like what Ken, uh, John F. Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you. Remember that? But what you can do for your what? country. And you need to start asking what the church what can do for you, but what can you do for the church? God has given us an impeccable plan for labor, rest, and worship. We suffer because we do not adhere to it. And because we don't adhere to it, we find ourselves struggling. The good news is we don't have to. As Pastor Rander concludes today's message, listen closely as he walks us through the scripture for the answers to our struggles. We have the access. We just have to tap into it. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located in Converse, Texas.